Hey friends, welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's always, always at work in our mess. I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this faith-fueled conversation style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday. And with me today as my co-host is my good friend, Amy Groeschel. So listen, no matter where you're coming from, no matter where you've been, no matter if you're driving to work or doing yesterday's dishes today, you are wanted and welcome, and we're just so honored you're here. Y'all, we are partnered with our church, Life Church, where we're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, where we love locking arms with brave women from all over who willingly offer their unique perspectives so that we might continue to grow. You know, we each only have one set of eyes, one set of ears, one life to live. But when we take the time to listen to each other, to hear where someone else is coming from, we gain empathy and compassion and perspective, not to mention just a broader understanding of how God's working in a billion other ways. So really our only agenda here is that this will be a place where you can take a deep breath of truth and encouragement as you occupy all your usual places, your home, your office, your local grocery store, your favorite coffee shop, and even in those regular places, we believe there's one name that's above all others, one name that unites us on this vast, diverse planet, and that is the powerful name of Jesus. Revelation 12:11 tells us that our enemy is conquered by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies, sharing what He's done in our actual messy lives. So that's why we speak. That's why we share. That's what this podcast is all about. Guys, our guest for episode 72 is full of spunk and stories. Stephanie Powell is the executive director of Branch 15, a transitional housing ministry for women, a nonprofit started by our very own Amy Groeschel. Stephanie is both a biological and adoptive mama, as well as someone with an overflowing heart for those who've simply found themselves in a rough place. Her own difficult and heart-wrenching experiences have confirmed her suspicions. God will show up, even in the gloriously hard. Guys, you're going to love hearing from Stephanie, and I bet you'll be different because of it. So grab that coffee, pull up a chair, and join Amy and me for a chat with Stephanie. Stephanie, welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We are super excited. I am. I'm giddy. I've had you on a list of please let's get Stephanie on. Why? Uh, Stephanie, you're a powerhouse and mm. you have amazing stories of just redemption and freedom. And I just want people to know and be inspired and encouraged by so many things about Stephanie. Mm. So give us some highlights of yeah. who you are. What are you doing? And all the things. All it that. all started back in the summer of 73. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think my story, when I when I talk about my story, it began probably years before I was born mm -hmm. because I had three sisters who um, walked through sexual abuse. And so what do you do? You emotionally bleed everywhere. And so I came into a family that was bleeding everywhere. And so you grow up in that family and you pick up all the wrong habits of how to do relationships and and how to do life and that kind of stuff. And so um, I grew up with abuse, not not me, but as a result of other abuse in the family. I was adopted by my grandmother when I was four. And so that first four years of my life, 
there's a lot of stories of what happened, what didn't happen, what could have happened. And so all of my life, I'm trying to put the pieces together, right? And so in January of 1973, when abortion was legal, the story is that my birth mother sat in a clinic and got impatient and left. And so here I am. Wow. Praise God. Um, Those are some of the early stories I remember hearing as a kid. And so when I was adopted at four, then I had this kind of ideal life until I graduated high school and got married. I had two full-time parents, and they had nothing better to do than to make me their princess. Mm. And this was um, your grandparents. This mm. was my grandparents. What right. happened to your parents? Uh, so my birth mother, she's she's still alive. She's still around. We don't have a great deal of a relationship. Uh, we have a very highly boundaried relationship. Okay. Mm. Uh, we get along, which is great, because for a lot, a lot of years, we did not. Uh, my birth father, I have a name, but I don't know if that's truly him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of those stories, you mm-hmm. know. But my my dad really filled that space in my heart so that I don't need mm-hmm. to know who this person your is. Your dad, who was right. also your grand, Right. Right. I love My it. family tree is kind of like a vine. <laughs> so that's why I love working branch shifting, you know, because it just, you know, it branches out all that's over right. the place. That's good. Um, it's just a part of my life that's over there and it's fine. Um, but I grew up my whole life hearing stories about me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm such a storyteller. I think that's why God gave me the ability to be humorous in stressful situations because mm-hmm. that helps neutralize and diffuse the emotions for me. So I grew up, got married at 18 you know, accepted Christ about two years into my marriage. Uh, We were married about 17 years and then divorce happened. Mm. And man, I didn't see that one coming at all. I mean, it was a total blind side. Even now I look back and it still doesn't make a ton of sense. There was nothing, no issue in our marriage that could not have Mm. been overcome. Not huge red flags. Not huge red flags, right. Mm. People said when, when, you know, the further away you'll, you'll look back and see it. And th- there are some things I can see, but man, there was just nothing mm. that couldn't have been worked through. Six months, maybe a year of counseling could yeah. have been a very different story. But it is what it is. Mm. And God showed up in oh, so many ways, mm. so many ways. We could be here all day. Well, we want to look into that uh, if you want to share more about that. I know you have some daughters from I your marriage. I do. I do. I have um, two daughters from my marriage. They were 16 and 13 when their dad left. And uh, we we just had this this little life. And I'd kind of ask the Lord, what now? Uh, so divorce is the deal. And, and what now? And so I woke up on a Sunday morning and God said, I want you to fast for seven days. And I'd never fasted for that long. And so because I'm an obedient child, I immediately went into, well, I haven't eaten since lunch yesterday. So does that already count? <laughs> so I'm like three quarters of a day into it. You know, can I just eat a, a real quick snack since you just dropped this bomb on me? I mean, obedience is is not my forte. But I, I began in that moment, a seven day fast. God said, I want you to go to school. God said, I want you to move out of the house. That, that is a millstone around your neck. And I felt like he said he wanted to expand my family. And I said, that's crazy. <laughs> I know where babies come from. Um, and I know how you get them. And I thought I had to find a man, get married, and birth a baby. And I was not in the mood for any of that because I am just about a year out of my divorce. All the major side effects were starting to hit. Oh, yeah. All mm-hmm. the financial stuff, all the emotional stuff. 
I mean, I so thought going much. through the divorce was was rough. This was rough. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's crazy, Lord. I'm not expanding my family. I know okay. how to fix that. Mm-hmm. The aftermath of a tornado. The, yeah, exactly. I mean, all the dust had settled. It was a hard life. I mean, my kids would call and be like, did you pay the water bill? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, sure didn't. Now, did they continue a relationship with their dad? Um, off and on, off and on. Be, because there was another family involved, um, he was really pouring a lot of efforts into that. Wow. And so, you know, I have my perspective of the story. And in, from my mind's eye, he really abandoned our kids. We had a lot of conversations about um, your kids miss you. They want you. They need to see you. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't take your feelings for me out on them. Um, they have a better relationship now. And and I'll, I'll just be honest. I kind of try to stay out of it. Mm-hmm. I want to let them do their thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I got enough going on. We so, want to yeah. come back <clears throat> and hear a lot more about this. Yeah. What you've gone through. I know you also work for Branch 15. I do. Tell us what you do. And then I kind of want to dive in a little bit more onto Amy, how you decided to start this ministry. Cool. That's great. Um, So Branch 15, we are transitional housing for women uh, who are working their journeys to wholeness and sustainability. I get to work with the coolest women in all the world Mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. Uh, These ladies are grinding it out and they're working hard. Uh, They are aware of their issues. They are aware that they need to make up for some lost time. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, they dig in and they do hard work. Um, And so my job there, I'm the executive director. Basically, I oversee the daily operations. And so whatever that looks like on any given day, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Every day is different. And I love that (laughs) uh, because I'm not a same, same girl. Um, And so every day is different and every day is glorious and every day is hard. Mm. And it's the coolest, that. it's the coolest job That's ever. life, isn't it? It is. It really is. And I, I love it. It's hard. cool. Mm-hmm. So, so we have our tagline that's, you know, fresh starts, pure hope and amazing grace. And that's, that's what we do mm-hmm. is we offer fresh starts. We offer pure hope and we offer amazing grace. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, our verse, John 15, five, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Here's the really cool part of that verse that, Apart from him, we can do nothing. Mm. And we really do make every effort that everything we do at the branch, it cannot be apart from him. Right. Because then it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Nothing worthwhile. Anyway. Nothing worthwhile. I mean, we can teach the ladies boundaries. We can teach them codependency. We can teach them all these nifty things. Mm-hmm. But without that foundation of Christ, it's never going to sink in. It's never going to make sense. You're not. You're, all the dots are not going to connect. Um, because everything we do really is on that foundation of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I mean, that's the real, real quick Branch 15 right. in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's wonderful and amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, how long ago was it that you started Branch 15? It has been just over six years. Stephanie has been apart for just over four years. Mm-hmm. And she came on in a supervisor position, living with the girls in our first home that was in the local area of Edmond. Then she became the program manager, was doing an amazing job at both. It was like, oh, I don't want to see her. Can we clone you? (laughs) Yeah, we need to clone you because I didn't want to see her, you know, progress. She did so such a great job where she was, but God had a a plan. And and even I think it was a surprise to Stephanie that the plan was to end up as executive director, um, which has been just 
she's just done a phenomenal job. And to those listening, you just don't want to limit yourself to what, you know, your limited thinking of what you think God has in Absolutely. you that you can do. Because I believe that Stephanie may have believed the same lies that we often believe that we don't have what it takes. And then one day she realized, I think I do. And I think God's calling me mm. to apply for this executive position. And we have just seen the fruit of that and continue to see the fruit of that. But branch 15, it's number 15 because of the verse that she just said of John 15, 5. And that I knew that this was a ministry that was on God's heart that he placed on my heart. And I didn't even really know. I knew I was supposed to begin something that had to do with marginalized women, whatever that was, whoever that demographic was. And then he just began as I would take the next step of just curiosity steps um, in prayerful steps, began to open my eyes that that meant housing. And then I realized it was transitional ministry, mm. which means we're not a rescue home for the person just coming off the street that needs an immediate place mm-hmm. of care. And But we are that next step for women from different areas of need and brokenness, of homelessness or incarceration, their next step out of there, or a drug recovery, Mm -hmm. that they're just not ready to go back into their environment that they came from. Maybe they never learned, you know, how to live healthy, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, nobody's arrived in that, but just true chaotic living. And we just get the opportunity to surround them, to support them, to love on them, to show them, yes, the truth, to get them connected, hopefully, to the vine if they mm. haven't already. And, yeah, to put those pieces together. And um, it is about relationships, the ministry. And that was one of the aha moments of birthing. It was just that restoration in our lives comes through relationship for mm-hmm. all of us. So true. And um, the relationship with Christ and then through his body that we can receive healing. And God just done a beautiful work that is, you know, beyond our expectations and continues to be. Absolutely. So what's so neat, I think, is that years ago, Amy, we were talking and I remember you were just kind of praying through some of these things. And it was like, man, I just want to love on these women that have gone through such a hard time in their life and show them the potential they have in Christ. And so at the time, I think you were dreaming about some banquet or feast of just like, I want to get these women together, just everyone and invite them and love on them. And and now you've been able to do that in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. We have a banquet coming up this week that's lavished in love. But it's cool to look back and see those seeds that God is planting in you and go, wow, look, God, you've done it and you're, you're still doing it. That's right. Yeah. It's amazing. We have seen what the Lord has done. And again, we could be here all day with stories of what he's done. All day. All day. A couple mm. of them that really um, strike a chord is, I would say, Terry, who's our current program director. Her story of incarceration is such a small piece of her testimony. Um, but that's how she came to us. She'd been released from incarceration. She was kind of just living in a hotel here locally, waiting for approval from Montana to go back where she that was her home. And uh, Montana had said, nope, we don't want you a little felon up here. Um, so you're just going to have to stay there. So she she made a second pass at the paperwork and all that. So in the meantime, she reached out to the chaplain where she was incarcerated. And they said, hey, hold on just a second. I know somebody who may can, who may can come and at least encourage you. 
So our former executive director, Tammy Franklin, so the chaplain reached out to Tammy. Tammy went to visit Terry just to encourage her because we didn't have any beds available at the branch. And Mm -hmm. so she just went to encourage her, see what we could do. And, you know, Tammy came back and said, man, I really, I would love to see her here. We just don't have a bed. And, you know, God, God uses very unusual circumstances at the branch to get people there. So we had a young lady came in from work later that day and was not uh, in her right mind. She'd been using some mm-hmm. drugs. And so our no tolerance policy for drug use, we had to drug test her. And then we had a bed available. And so Tammy and I went back the next day and interviewed her and, and brought her home that day. Because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, the Lord made it very clear. Mm. And so we knew that it could be just for a short time because she's waiting on this paperwork to go back to Montana because that's home. That's where friends are. That's all she knew at the time. But she was at the branch maybe 24 hours and she met me in the hallway and said, hey, I've told my probation officer to uh, stop that paperwork. And I looked at her and said, yeah, I know because Mm -hmm. you're home. Mm -hmm. And so she stood out immediately as um, somebody different. There was a, a root there that needed to be watered and needed to be fed. So I began to mentor her. And then my sister got really sick and was dying. And so I flew out of state, kind of short notice. And she just kind of picked up and took a mm-hmm. lot of my responsibilities. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to take care of my family. She was growing and learning. And so she was there roughly five months, and we brought her on staff as our um, ambassador coordinator. Gosh, I love it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a few months later as a program manager. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after I came on as executive director, then she's our program director. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's uh. one of many. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many of so our many ladies stories, who are yeah. capable of that kind of growth and that mm-hmm. kind of life, yes. you know. And so she's always one that kind of stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and I work so well together. We kind of read each other's minds mm-hmm. and finish each other's sentences and all that kind of weird stuff that you really want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think about uh, one of our other ladies, Joy. I mean, she came to us through the federal court system, doesn't really have a close relationship with family, which most of our ladies don't. And uh, she'd been with us a few months and had kind of been having some medical issues. And we really felt like, wow, you need to you need to go take care of this. So she went to the doctor, found out she had cancer. And every appointment, every phone call, it just got worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse. And as the executive director, I began to think, holy cow, am I going to have to ask her to move out because a dying woman in our home can be traumatic for the other 12 women living in the home? I mean, these are the mm-hmm. these are the decisions that have to be answered yeah, decided mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean this is just this is life right um because at some point you have to balance out community and individual and all these i mean mm-hmm. it's just hard right so i reached out to several of our ambassadors and said hey if worse comes to worse can you house her and can we partner together and help her through this potentially hardest time of her life and and on the backside it could mean that this woman passes away in your home and we had a couple of ambassadors who said, heck, yeah, I'm in it with you. Mm-hmm. And it just, whoo, I mean, what, what kind of love is that? Ambassadors are, yeah. are our volunteers. Right. But they're so much more than that. Right. So, And so to us, a volunteer is you give and give and give and we take and take and take. But an ambassador is we're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. We're representing Jesus together. Mm-hmm. And this was 
a perfect ambassador moment. We're doing this together. So they were all in. And then we finally got to the appointment where we we're going to find out exactly what we were looking at. And the story turned. Jesus showed up mm-hmm. and she got into a drug trial. And they said, hey, we're shooting for cancer free in two months. And we were stunned because mm-hmm. we were just talking about death the mm-hmm. day before. Mm-hmm. And so a few weeks ago, Joy got to ring the bell. She is now cancer free. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she's just waiting on the doctor to clear her so she can go back to work. Um, but her name is exactly, mm-hmm. is exact. I mean, Joy, mm-hmm. she cannot not talk about Jesus. <laughs> yes. She cannot not talk about what the Lord has done. Yes. Even on the days where she was just really in a lot of pain. Gosh. Yes. So those are a couple of yes, stories. I know, They right? kind of stand yeah. out recently. Yeah. If we went back the whole six years, we could Ooh. just... On top of story, on top of story, the whole podcast, right? The whole podcast, and then some. Well, it's so obvious that you are passionate about these women and, you know, just sharing with them the love and redemption that is found only in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Let's go back. Tell us a little bit more about your story, Mm -hmm. your experience with this divorce, and what that looked like for you. Cool. So let's kind of pick up at the fast because that's when things really turned. That's when I was finally at a place to sit before the Lord and say, What's my part in this? Um, Lord, what correction do I need? What direction do I need? Lord, you show me what you need me to see. Mm-hmm. I was at a place where the grief had kind of come to to this level where I could receive what the Lord had to say. So during this fast, he said, I, I want you to expand your family. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy and ridiculous. And um, I know how to fix that. I will never, ever have sex again in my life. Um, and so... A few months later, I received a call from DHS and said, we've got these twin girls. They gave us your number. Will you take them? (laughs) I didn't have to think on it. I didn't have to pray on it. I just said yes, because God had already answered that question before I knew the question existed. It's amazing. And so then these twin girls moved into my house. So they had your number. Where did this come from? So these are a couple of young ladies I had known at my church since they were in the third grade. Okay. They were friends with my daughter. Mm. Um, and they had spent a lot of time at my house. And they were mine in my heart long before they were mine legally. Oh, wow. Um, and so, so we went through all of that. So there was this this time of looking at it through human eyes. It was trial upon trial, struggle upon struggle. It was surreal almost. It was so hard Mm -hmm. because somebody else was living my life. Ta-da, it was me. Um, By this point, I had moved out of the house, moved into an apartment. And so there were five of us living in a little two-bedroom apartment. I was riding the couch, slept on the couch for a year. (laughs) Um, My kids had the rooms and the bathrooms and all that. The couch was more comfortable than the bed, so it was cool. And we ate a lot of pizza rolls. (laughs) I was going back and forth to court with my ex-husband. We were in and out of court with DHS, Mm -hmm. um, just normal court proceedings, right? Right. I mean, that kind of stuff. And And with the girls, you were fostering them? I was fostering them at that point. And so uh, I was working my full-time job. I was working on the weekends because I needed to be able to keep the utilities on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was struggling to keep the utilities on. And the whole while, God is saying, Stephanie, stop. Mm -hmm. I've got you. I'm your provider. I know, God. I know. I know. Mm -hmm. But my heightened sense of responsibility just took over. So I was working on the weekends, and I was uh, flipping burgers out at the Lazy E. 
And over time, it had become a really unhealthy environment. But again, I had to make the money to pay mm-hmm. the bills because I had to. Mm-hmm. And and over time, it just it got worse and it got worse and management changed. And, you know, I found myself in a situation where sexual harassment just came with the job mm-hmm. and certain expectations. And I was just kind of waiting on my turn. Like when I'm confronted with do this or you lose your job, what am I going to do? Hmm. because I'm I'm trying to make money to pay the bills. And um, it came to that point. I'd been working a, an event for nine days straight. I was going to work at 7.30 in the morning, working until 1.30, going and working at this rodeo arena. I was trying to buy a car because my van was about dead. And I thought, okay, if I work nine days and I put in all these hours, I can pay cash for this car, and then I'll be done. So that last night came, and I went to get my pay, and was approached by the manager at the time, who was a contractor, did not work for Lazy E. And the moment that I'd been dreading happened. Basically, he offered to to pay me for sex. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I just remember thinking, how did I get here? Mm. I was working at the church this morning. <laughs> mm. How did I get here tonight? And I just looked at him and said, no, I'm just not. I mean, it's not that kind of girl. I'm not that kind of girl. I mean, not that it ever occurred to me to say yes, but just the whole, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. And so I took my pay and looked at him and I said, I quit. And I cried all the way home because I was terrified Mm. because that was about $1,500 a month. Wow. What am I going to do? I can love these kids all day long, but I can't feed them. So I cried all the way home. It was 45 minutes. I got home at 3 o'clock in the morning. It was a school night. And my kids, they were all sleeping in one bedroom. And I swear there were arms and legs all over. Like there were 10 kids. There were just arms and legs all over. (laughs) And I woke them up at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, I've cried all the way home. I just quit. I don't know how we're going to do it. But I just need y'all to love on me Mm. because I'm terrified. And they did. Mm-hmm. And we set up and we talked and they said, no matter what, we're here. And they were like, we can get jobs. We can do this. How old we can do that at this time. Uh, my oldest was 18 and my three youngers were not quite 16. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it was for the first time in, in a very long time, I felt family. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my second daughter, Catherine, who is very much like her mother. So humor is the coping mechanism said, well, we've cried. It's time we laugh. Mm-hmm. And so she pulls out her phone, and on her phone is is this little meme, and it's the poopy list. <laughs> it, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's just a list of different kind of poopies. <laughs> <laughs> and she read this, and every time she said poopy, we laughed. And we <laughs> laughed harder, and we laughed harder, and we laughed harder, and my next-door neighbor was banging on the wall. Um <laughs> And we didn't care because we had not laughed that free in a long time. And the next day I went to work and said, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't pay my bills. I can't do a stinking next thing. Next day you went to work where? Went to work at the church. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you had so, the two jobs. Because I had the two jobs. Okay. right? Mm-hmm. And my pastor looked at me and said, you know, God's got you. And I said, but I don't. I'm that afraid. Mm-hmm. And God showed up because from that point on, Everything was paid. We didn't starve. And just a few months later, we went on a cruise. 
Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it was just incredible the ways that God showed up. I was making way less money, but the bills were getting paid. Mm. It never worked out on paper. Mm. But that laughter that we had that night started a process of healing for all of us. Mm. We spent about the next two years in tank tops and panties, and we went to work. We went to school. We came home. We played. Mm-hmm. We played games. We played spoons. We played games and games and games. And we played Mario Kart for hours. <laughs> and we just laughed. Mm-hmm. And we became a family. And so uh, then it came time I got to adopt the girls. And so now I'm, I've got these four beautiful girls. And there's boys lingering around. And I'm cleaning my gun all the time. And, <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. But it, I mean, God taught me in that moment. He is my provider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is. Nobody I work for, not any pay that I get from whatever, but mm-hmm. that He is my provider. Mm-hmm. And when I finally laid it down and said, God, it's yours, mm-hmm. yeah, He showed up, right? Mm-hmm. Showed up big time, showed up, showed off. <laughs> um, the testimony of all the things that He has done has just been. But it took and you scramble. being in such a desperate place yes. to be able to see that provision yes. in Absolutely. a way that you wouldn't have exactly. otherwise. Exactly. And, and probably the biggest lesson I learned through that time after my divorce and everything was be careful what you do for others. I think I, I learned that deep part of codependency, that if you overprotect people, if you do for them, then they don't experience God. They don't feel Mm -hmm. God's provision of that need that they have. Mm -hmm. Had I not been in that desperate place, I would have never allowed myself to feel God as my provider. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes people need to hit rock bottom. Had I not been in that place of absolutely terrified, I would have never known God as my comfort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I see you naturally, Stephanie, as just a get her done, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, just self-confidence. But this is a whole nother side and story that, you know, the fear, that the hard, you just are like, this is so hard. I mean, you're a single mom and had to, and then and obediently added, to, added right. yes, added to adopting them. And it's like, you know, who even does that? And so you can see the tenacity and the courage and the faith and your dependence throughout all of this, these very, very hard moments, just clinging to the Father that you really were rooted in Him that got you to a place of just being able to say, no, you can't buy me and right. and I will depend. Even in the fear you were trusting, it's just, and I think that that can apply to all of us. I'm listening going, yes, like everyone, don't we need this message of no matter how hard, no matter how scary, God has you. I mean, Absolutely. that is, He's had you since before you were born. Absolutely. You, you pulled it back yep. into the 60s before you were yeah. born. He has you. And I just hear that is the theme of your stories and what God has done. He is faithful in your life. I would like to just dig a little more into um, the divorce for those that have experienced divorce in their families or personally like how did that happen and then how did that affect your identity mm. and your you know your spiritual walk so at that point i didn't have an identity when i the divorce happened when the divorce happened i mean i i got married at 18 mm. and i had kids right away so my identity was totally wrapped in my husband wrapped in my kids 
It was wrapped in my church service. It was wrapped in my home. Which well-intended people do all the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. It's Um, it's easy to do. It's easy. If if my marriage is good, then I'm good. If my kids behave well, then life's great. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, all of my identity was wrapped up in those things. Yeah, 17 years. 17 years. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I'd been married half my life. Right. And you know? I can tell you're an all in or all out kind of girl. Right. So you were all in with I these was, things. Well, I was serving all, your family. I was all in on these things. I mean, everything was for the fam, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and so I had no identity at all in Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what that looked like. So when divorce happened, I was totally blindsided. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why my, my foundation was made of jello. Mm-hmm. Um, and you told us it kind of came out of nowhere. It kind of came out of nowhere. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was another woman involved. Uh, and even that was kind of a, a short, quick, hard hit for him. So, you know, he felt a sentence temptation just in that way as well. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it was there was just a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my husband made the announcement on October 30th of 2008. Um, and I was blown away. Then I, I was working at the church in the children's office. And so the next day we had our fall festival, which I'd been planning for months. And, you know, and I, I did not, I did not, I could not be in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so my staff took over and I went up to my office. My kids needed loving. So they went down to the event. I went up to my office and I remember sitting in front of my computer and said, Lord, here's the deal. I mean, it's almost kind of like that, you know, Bible roulette. God, I'm going to open my computer and there's going to be a word from you there. That's just it. And so I opened my computer to Bible Gateway and there was, I mean, there was the verse that sustained me, carried me, pulled me, pushed me, shoved me, <laughs> my cold dead body up the hill, the whole nine yards still to this day. And and it was First Peter 5, 8 through 11. And it talks about in there how believers are struggling, right? Stephanie, you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. There's believers everywhere struggling so, just yes. like you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I wasn't alone. It talks about how Satan is out to still kill and destroy. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. I mean, I was I was in that moment. But here's where it all just really started for me. Those verses talk about you'll suffer for a little while, right? Mm-hmm. But God will restore you and put you on that firm foundation. Mm. And so I grabbed a hold of that statement and said, okay, God, I'm going to struggle. This is the biggest struggle of my life. But I know, I know with everything, you're going to put me on a firm foundation. I just don't know how long the struggle is going to last. But I'm in it to win it. And so, you know, word was getting out. I just kind of wanted to to isolate. Um, I had no idea what to say to people, how to say. I mean, it was just... It was it was a mess. At the same time, my sister is calling me and she she's trying to get a hold of me and I'm not answering the phone. And she's a little bit uh, overdramatic. Uh, I love her with my whole heart. Uh, but after about the fifth or sixth message, uh, the message that she finally left was, I know that Stephanie's dead and I need somebody to call me and at least tell me when the funeral is. I'll do the flowers. <laughs> and because she was a florist and. <laughs> And she's just kind of really, I mean, I'm dead and she's just trying to prepare. She's trying to be the big sister and take care of business. And so finally I was like, okay, I have to call her. And uh, this was way back in the day. We still had a landline and a cell phone. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, I called her from my my home phone 
and there was a horrible thunderstorm going on outside. I mean, it's it's your good old Oklahoma thunder, lightning, wind. The rain was coming in sideways the whole nine yards. And so I'm talking to her on the phone. I'd sent the kids upstairs to go take showers, get ready for school the next day and all that. And um, so I'm talking to her and she she really loved my former husband and and really just thought so much of him. And I I did not want to be the one to tell her Mm -hmm. that he'd left. Mm -hmm. And so I was not looking forward to this conversation, but I called her and said, hey, I'm alive. Kind of hoping that would soften the blow. I'm not dead. Yay. And so uh, she was grateful I was not dead. And then she broke down crying. And she's like, what's going on? And so I'm talking to her, telling her what's going on. She's asking a lot of questions that I don't have answers for. I mean, I'm I'm still in shock yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to her and the power goes out. So what happens to this phone plugged into the wall? It stops working. Mm. So I pick up my cell phone and I call her because she probably thought I got struck by lightning and yet again was dead. Um, So I needed to call her and tell her, nope, still not dead. Um, So I call her from my cell phone. Hey, we've got a storm going on. Uh, Just want to call it. You know, I'm not dead because I know how you are. And then I hear this scream, this blood curdling scream from upstairs. Mom, the window just blew out. So I said, I got to go. Hung up the phone ran upstairs and the window had not blown out, but we had a window unit in my daughter's bedroom, two story keeping Mm -hmm. it. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. just, you know how it is. So the little plastic pieces on the side to keep all the weather outside had blown out Mm -hmm. because again, Oklahoma wind. Mm -hmm. So all this rain is just blowing into the house. The kids were naked towels around them, towels dropping to the ground. It was crazy chaotic mess. I started and why were they naked? Because they were supposed to be taking showers. <laughs> They're supposed to be being obedient kids. And so they were. <laughs> and so um, they're running around like crazy. The wind's blowing all this rain in. The dogs are jumping on everything because now they've picked up the energy of what's going on. And so I yell at Catherine to go get a towel. And I yell at Amanda to go downstairs and get a get a screwdriver. And so she's running downstairs. And I'm like, plus and minus, plus and minus. Catherine brings me back a washcloth. <laughs> Bless her heart. Catherine, I need a towel. Give me a towel. <laughs> I'm soaking wet. The rain's blowing in. My daughter comes back. I need one screwdriver for one side and one for the other side because we'd okie rigged it. Anyway, and so all this chaos and all this crazy and the thunder and the lightning outside and the chaos in my home and the dogs all over the place. It was like a disco because the thunder and the lightning. I mean, it was just... <laughs> It was the most chaotic moment you could have ever a imagined. Memorable yeah. moment. It was a memorable moment because <laughs> yeah. here I am 11 years later going, let me tell you about this. Yeah. And so I'm kind of barking orders, do this, do that, because we've, we've got to get this window unit out of the window, get the window down so the storm will stop coming in. Mm-hmm. So much symbolism, right? Right. That's what I was and just thinking. And so finally, I, I lift the window unit down and it's full of water. So now I'm genuinely drenched from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And I set it down on the floor, put the window down, and everything just stopped. I mean, it was a moment where I knew this was a defining moment. This was a moment that my kids needed to hear from their mom. This was a moment that I needed to hear from God because nothing made sense. Everything was chaos. I mean, this moment 
kind of defined everything going on in my heart. And so the kids were staring at me. The dogs yeah. were staring Where at me. Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what do we do? And I just remember my heart saying, okay, Lord, I need something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I need. And he just pressed in and he said, I'm close. And wow. I'm here. And that's all I needed. So I looked at my kids and said, wow. Well, you know, just wow. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think probably that would have killed an ordinary woman. But I think we can all agree. I'm no ordinary woman. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and we just laughed. So again, laughter mm-hmm. brought into this chaos and crazy. Mm-hmm. And so we just I just kind of looked around and I said, okay, um, I'm going to go get some more towels. I'm going to go get some dry clothes on. I'll take your showers. Mm-hmm. Carry on. Yes. And let's go because we got a thing to do mm-hmm. and we're going to do our thing. And that's what we did. We just picked up and moved on. But I, I remember that moment, and I will always remember that moment because I knew I needed to hear from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he just simply said, I'm close. Mm-hmm. Well, so many people can relate to this because there's storms on the outside. There's storms on yes. the inside. There's mm-hmm. a yes. billion things that people are struggling with right now, whether it's a divorce or whether it's a health issue or whether it's a rebellious teenager, mm-hmm. or all of that, toddler, all the things. All that. So obviously we see you now just with so much joy and hope through the heart, the gloriously hard, right. right? Yeah. Tell us how that manifested. God is good mm-hmm. all the time. Um, both of my parents have passed away. My siblings have passed away. It's kind of me and the Lord. And I will tell you, my my biggest personal Stephanie struggles are two things. I have this loneliness that's that's kind of attached to my singleness that so desires to have a relationship in my life. Mm. I'm going to wait for the Lord, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to do this again. But then I have my aloneness, and that's a little bit different and probably a harder struggle because the people that are supposed to be around to nurture you, your parents and that kind of stuff, I don't have that. Um, now, I have that through others, and here's where God is so good because over the years, He has brought me spiritual mothers and mm. spiritual fathers. He has never left me. He has never forsaken me. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, God has said, here's a gift in this person. Here's mm-hmm. a gift in this person. It's beautiful. beautiful. And yes. through those years, that's where Stephanie found Stephanie. That's where I got to walk into my purpose. Mm-hmm. It was in 1997 as a brand new, wet behind the ears believer mm-hmm. that God said, you're going to go into women's ministry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Cool. So I did 15 years of kids ministry and I loved it. I thought I missed the call. I wanted to walk the aisle and make this this commitment to ministry public. And it didn't happen because at that point in my marriage, stuff was starting to happen. I didn't see it then. I see that now. And I thought after divorce and all this kind of stuff, I'll never be in ministry. You Mm -hmm. don't get to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And in 2011, I got to walk into ministry. So almost three years after divorce, I walked into ministry. And that really propelled me in figuring out who Stephanie is. Mm. So all of my family life, my divorce, my, I mean, all of these things, it all came together. And I got to find who I was when I finally walked into my purpose and call in life. I know now that when the storm rages outside and in, no matter what, God is my foundation. It is no longer built on jello. 
Mm-hmm. See, he has restored me and he has put me on that firm foundation. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happens, that firm foundation is always going to be the firm foundation. And that's where Stephanie found Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in my journey with Branch 15, even more so mm-hmm. walking into, I mean, Amy, when you said it probably even surprised me, I loved being on the programming side of Branch 15. Yeah. I had no idea that I would love being on the executive side as much as I did the programming side. I can truly see myself doing this till the Mm. day I die. Mm. I love hearing that. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Because I love what I get to do Mm -hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's what I was birthed for. Well, it's cool to look yeah. back and see different kind of strands of your story yes. and how they're all being used in mm-hmm. the place that you are now. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Can we just have fun for a minute? And Because oh, I know yes. you love to have fun, but I just think we need to chant, like, we are no ordinary women. Mm, we're, no. Ch- we're daughters of the king. Amen. And when I heard you in that stormy moment bring that humor, but it was truth. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was I'm no ordinary woman, but isn't that true mm-hmm. for all of us in Christ that we're not Amen. ordinary, even if we don't feel it? Exactly. Even if we because don't feel I did it. not feel it in that moment, because in that moment, I don't know that I've ever felt more small. Mm. That makes me more profound. Right. Exactly. Yes. I mean, in that moment, I had nothing it was, to base to hang my head on. You were declaring truth and faith of what you really deep down knew was true as a child of God, I believe. And, and the uniqueness of you. But I, I just thought, wow, that's us. We are not ordinary. We mm-hmm. have the living Christ inside of us. And we don't just do our non-ordinary, extraordinary us alone. You said, in my aloneness, in my loneliness, God is good. He put other yes. extraordinary daughters mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't done. He wasn't and oh, maybe no. someone needs to hear that right no. now. Like, God and, and, done. and he's not done. So let me, let me just kind of add to this story. So back in November, because I'm, I'm one of those people that's I'm like, I want a, a word for the year, theme for the year, that kind of stuff. So back in November, I was driving out to to speak at a little church in Thomas, Oklahoma. And I was just I was just amazed at God's beauty, so much so that I drove right past the church five miles. I looked up and went, where am I at? Because mm-hmm. I'll do that. I will just get in the moment and I will forget what's going on. So I'm out here in the middle of this. I, I don't know where I'm at. And I just I remember just being amazed at what God I mean, I'm looking at cotton fields, and I don't know what that is growing over there, but it's beautiful. It's green. And and I mean, just being amazed. And so in November, I had this great, glorious revelation, right? My theme for 2020 is to be amazed. Mm-hmm. You know, 2020 vision, that kind of stuff. I'm going to be amazed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn photography. I'm going <laughs> to do these things. And then on New Year's Eve, God says, Stephanie, you're so cute and you're so funny. I'm fixing to rock your world and you don't even know. Mm-hmm. And so I went to an improv show downtown Oklahoma City. And I'm like, dude, I can do that because I'm I'm funny. <laughs> I can do that. And so at the end, they said, hey, if you want to take improv classes, you can sign up here. And I'm like, yes, oh, <laughs> I'm signing up. And so I did. So I signed up for these improv classes. And God said, Stephanie, you are not going to be amazed this year because being amazed is a spectator sport. Mm. I didn't put you on this earth to be a spectator. Mm. I put you on this earth to do things. Mm. And so my word of the year is unrestrained. Wow. And it's it's letting go of the control mm. because I had so controlled my environment, mm. my safe, mm-hmm. precious, little, sweet environment. And God said, I'm fixing to blow you out of the water. 
you're going to be unrestrained. And so every week I go to these little improv classes (laughs) and I just am totally unrestrained. Hmm. And God is bringing that into Branch 15 Mm -hmm. because I'm not afraid to risk. Let me rephrase that. I'm afraid to risk, but I'm going to do it afraid anyway. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so getting involved in different social circles and doing all those things, God is saying, Stephanie, I want you to be unrestrained Mm -hmm. because when I'm unrestrained, then he is seen in ways through me Mm -hmm. that he's never been seen before. Mm -hmm. And so we don't arrive, right? We never come to that place of I've arrived. God says, that's cool. That's awesome. Let's go another level. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Let's go another level. Right. Because it's really a deeper level of trust to be unrestrained, like to step into that freedom and boldness that he's given us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so good. It makes me think of one of our board members when we were just talking about a prayer request, I think, because you had texted and group texted us and said, we need prayer. Right. And one of our board members said, he just declared some bold prayers and he told you, go and put truth and scriptures all right. over the house and it's going to look like a mess, but you go ahead and be even more undignified. You tell yeah. the devil, I'll get it even yeah. more undignified than this. <laughs> and that, I just like pictured that as you're saying, unrestrained. And like, when I got that text, I just started jumping around. I'm like, yes, let's go. I love it when people say, Stephanie, go get undignified because y'all don't even know what that's about to look like. Y'all don't even know uh, what I funny. can do when you give me permission to be undignified. That's right. And so Satan can suck it. We're going to be undignified about it. (laughs) Stephanie, this has been so inspiring. Mm. And your word is so exciting because you're talking about, you know, to stop controlling, stop the illusion that we have that control. But, you know, you're just trying to live just in full dependence Mm -hmm. and just unafraid, just going for it type of faith life, just on the edge and holding nothing back. And um, boy, you've shared so many things that we'd love to have just spent hours and hours just going and just so drawn into your stories. But I know that it really does come down to so many things about Uh, the faithfulness of God. And before I ask for your final word of encouragement, I just want to say, I love you so much. Mm -hmm. And I am so thankful that God brought us together, partnered together for the ministry that he's allowed us to be a part of. It is beyond what I could have ever asked, thought, or imagined. Mm. And we're just getting Mm -hmm. started. Yeah, we are. And so um, I praise God for you and who you are and for sharing your stories today. What is that final word of encouragement that you want us to leave with? I would just encourage everybody to live unrestrained. And I love to do word studies. And so I I just kind of did a word study on unrestrained. And some of the, the words that came out were unrestricted and unlimited. I love uninhibited, but this one was was really, really cool for me. It's boundless. Mm. I'm not talking about going out and living this reckless, <laughs> do what you want Wild. and ask for forgiveness later. Okay? Take your shirt off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I'm, no, 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 that's what I'm talking about. When I say unrestrained, I'm talking about get in the game, mm-hmm. get engaged, know that your father has you. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what others don't, are thinking. Don't worry about what others are thinking. Because you are always going to have naysayers, Mm -hmm. always, because people want what you have when you live that unrestrained life. And so, you know, it's not being contained. And for us as believers, it's not being contained by what the world says Mm -hmm. is right or wrong. 
we are to be in the world and not of the world. Mm-hmm. So go out and be unrestrained. Risk for Jesus, because yes. He will always have your back. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. Nobody who changed the world did it by being restrained. Mm-hmm. They did it by being unrestrained and just taking yeah. the risk. Doing it scared. And mm-hmm. doing it afraid. Yes. And so tell the stories. Live the life. Come on. Gather your friends. Go out. Do unrestrained things for Jesus. I'm feeling mm-hmm. hyped up. Yeah, that's let's all go I'm for saying. it. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. This was an honor and an incredible gift from the Lord. So thank you. Man, there was just such good stuff in this episode. Guys, if you're interested in learning more about Branch 15, you can check out branch15.org. We'll also have all that information linked in the conversation notes where you're welcome to join our email list and be the first to get notified every other week when a new episode goes live. You can also subscribe for free in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, which means the latest episode will magically appear on your phone, which I happen to appreciate. And we would love to connect with you on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. Guys, people ask us all the time, what can we do to help? How can we spread the word? And it's really, really simple. We spend the time and energy to have these conversations, to get them in your earbuds. And it means more than you know when you text or tag a friend, when you share on social media, when you take a minute of your precious time to leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening from. I don't completely understand how it works, but this helps bring exposure to the messy table and allows others to find these powerful stories of hope. Selfishly, we just also love hearing what speaks specifically to you. So as you head back into your week and gather around your own tables, remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.